everyone welcome back to the commercial real estate library podcast this is episode 34 and it's our second episode we're releasing this week we want to get you in front of more commercial real estate thought leaders and today is no different we're sitting with the ceo of metrolinx his name is phil verster and for those of you who are from outside of ontario or maybe outside of toronto Metrolinx is owned by the Ontario government. They are one of the dominant factors in public transportation. They own and operate the UP Express, uh, Go Transit. Uh, they are responsible for the development of most of the transit expansions in Toronto and the greater Toronto area. So when we're talking about East Harbor or other major trans- transit hubs that are being created, other LRTs that are being created, Metrolinx is behind all of that. And why do we care about public transportation when we really care about commercial real estate? Well, everywhere transit goes, economic and development activity follows. So we sat down with Phil to learn where is the best place to buy, what is happening with Metrolinx, and actually we have, for the first time ever, we have a critical scoop here on the podcast. It's something that Metrolinx has told us that they hadn't released publicly or told anywhere else. So we were really excited to get the opportunity to share that with you guys. So definitely listen in uh, for the full podcast to hear that. Before I dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, KMB Law and Mizrahi Developments. Thanks for listening, guys. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library podcast. Uh, I'm Dama Taminawala. You know my co-host, Garrett McGilvery. And joining us today is the president and CEO of Metrolinx, Phil Verster. Phil, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah, yeah you too. Uh, can, you, can, we, can, we, can you describe a little bit about your position and, um, and a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are? Well, leading leading uh, the development of transit in uh, GTA is uh, GTHA is is really crucial for for us. Um, we have a region where we have to move more people and we have to move them faster, better, um, and quicker um, and easier across the region. Simple logic behind that is that. Everything we do in transit is an economic play. Everything we do is about delivering economic benefit. I'll give you some facts. Um, on our GO expansion program, for every dollar that government invests in the GO expansion program, the economic benefit of $2.60 is achieved. And so the quicker we get transit built, the quicker we get those economic benefits. And in a world we live in today, um, moving people is crucial. It's going to be interesting what a post-COVID world looks like. And, and we are now in the process of thinking how, how we adjust our transit value proposition to communities for, for that post-COVID world. It's interesting. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, think, thinking about that, like you don't, personally, I don't really think about taking the, uh, the streetcar today. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but like how how what are some of the early ideas and and how are you guys kind of adjusting yeah so damon you see the the key issue here is about what is your value proposition for your for your transit rider if you think of streetcars and as you mentioned the streetcar they you have the old value proposition in your mind of how the ttc used to operate their streetcars and how congested it may be and 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 how it operates now on go um we have changed our value proposition we've always been about say we are obsessed and and we are like maniacs about safety um so safety is never jeopardized but what we've done now with our value proposition is we've expanded it to include health um so so what does it mean when you say your value proposition to customers about health safety as well as getting them from point a to point b well you change what you're doing you change how your operations work I am closing all of my uh, ticket sales at my stations. I'm bringing all of those people out from behind um, the, the 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 counters, and we are now s- distributing them across our platforms and our stations to directly interact with customers and help customers. How? Well, I'm opening something like around 20 health kiosks at all of my stations. A health kiosk is a place where you can go and have your temperature checked and be given advice on COVID-19 and how to combat COVID-19 given given a sense of what a face uh, covering does for your own um, your own impact on others around you we are adding um, we are adding we take some of those people we're taking out are now going to do cleanliness checks on trains and buses We are now cleaning our buses twice every 24 hours where in the past it was once once twice three times a week. Mm. We are adding um hand hand sanitizer dispensers at every doorway for every train and every bus. Um we've added polycarbonate screens to keep our drivers safe. But here's something that's really cool that we're going to do and and you guys have a an inside line purely because of the timing of this interview um w- what i can't give you a scoop on is that we are going to add polycarbonate screens between seats on trains wow now, and on buses between the seats on buses so think of that uh, think of that a little bit that's like you go and sit in your seat and you have a sense of privacy from the person that sits right next to you wow and and, and now you can th- think think of that as a value proposition so so that's changing what i offer as a transit product a transit it's a transit product a transit service that you buy and so so that's a massive investment but that's we thought about this very carefully um and we're going to roll it out in the weeks to come and it's going to be it's going to be really cool because think of it from our perspective logistically how do i how do i maintain physical distancing and still be able to move thousands of people um my capacity in my vehicles without screens between seats would be vastly reduced and if you keep physical distancing on a streetcar as you've said them I and you travel on a streetcar often how much of that streetcar would be full 
and 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 they'll they'll have to run three four times as many streetcars to move as many people so we're doing it with a very practical view but with a keen view on what value it presents to the to the customer to focus on health right and will, these, will these screens be permanent yeah might actually prevent uh, some some man spreading, as they call it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Man spreading. Yeah. Um, just think of it. Th think of it. The challenge that it presents is we are now introducing another surf, introducing another surface um, that people could interact with. So we're experimenting with really new technology um, that has antimicrobial features mm. to it that we spray on the surface. That means um, the surface can be contaminated by you touching it, etc., and leaving it unsafe for the person thereafter. So we are really massively investing in, in that type of forward-thinking technology. Um, and I've not seen anyone else make this type of uh, radical move um, with regard to creating capacity on, 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 their, on their vehicles. But we can, and the reason why we can is our market is a longer distance market. When you talk about um, the streetcar, it's a really short distance, hop, skip and jump sort of journey. We're talking about people that travel in 30 minutes, uh, 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes journeys sometimes and shorter as well. And so with that, with that um, traveler and that product we sell for that traveler, this works. It's interesting. Uh, I'm excited to touch on different markets. Uh hey, actually, real quick, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Green Fox Capital. They're a boutique equity and mortgage financing firm that operates across Canada. They differentiate themselves from the rest by having some of the lowest mortgage brokerage fees out there. Their goal is to work with you and your property to make sure you have adequate capital in place to meet the needs of your real estate strategy. Their team has closed over $5 billion worth of real estate financing in the past two years alone and have connections to over 300 direct sources of capital. I recommend you check them out at greenfoxcapital.com and send them a note about any deal you might be working on and get some good, no pressure advice. Uh, because you're from a different market. Actually, yes. Right. So, um, can we can we chat about that a little bit? Your your career path of um, you know you grew up in what South Africa? That's correct. Yes, Cape Town. Cape Town. Okay. And then and then you but then one part of your career was in the UK as well, right? Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing there and um, then the move to Toronto? And this is a like a ten part question, but but what 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 you see. Uh, how you see Toronto positioned versus uh, global transit transit everywhere else? Yeah, yeah, th yeah. That's an interesting question, and I I'll have to think how to keep that short because I've been in so many places. Yeah. But yeah, originally Rolls Royce recruited me to go and run a business in the northeast of England, uh, and I left South Africa after working in electricity supply industry and went into manufacturing with Rolls Royce ran large projects in the Middle East and, and in the UK itself, then joined Bombardier and, and ran different train, uh, different roles in operated train fleets as a fleet director and 
deputy CEO in uh, for Irish Rail in Ireland, then went to Scotland as a oh, first came back to the UK as a managing director of a large part of of, of the UK infrastructure, and then ran um, Scottish Rail and and then came here and. I'll tell you what's the most interesting observation um, is when you think of Great Britain, Great Britain is a fantastic country, but geographically very small. And think of Japan as a fantastic country, but geographically very small. So when size goes down, physical size or square, kilometer, square kilometers per capita goes down, the impact of transit becomes massively more relevant. And that's why Britain's invested in transit and Japan and places like that's invested in transit. And the exception to the rule really, to a certain extent is China, where they've all also invested significantly in rail, more high-speed rail because of the geography being so big and they see economies of scale and huge economic impetus behind connecting cities with high-speed rail. And so when you ask me to compare Toronto, this is the way we need to think about it. Transit, transit, is, transit is nothing else but an economic, uh, but an economic driver. Um, moving people is about economics. And yes, it's also about softer issues, off-peak travel, connecting communities, all of that. But in its essence, it's about driving the economy of a region, the economy of a country. Um, and we see that over here in Toronto in a big way. Um, and I, I think even in a post-COVID world, um, the world is going to change due to COVID. But in a post-COVID world, I see the same economic impact from transit. And so when, when I compare what, what, what we do here, the scale of investment in rail-type transit needs to be continuous, consistent over many years in order to build up momentum, expertise in the industry and, and, and to, to continuously grow the infrastructure base and the operational base to get better at it. Right. And I think where Canada, you know, I, I say to my team, Canada is not a big country, it's a gigantic country. Um, and, it, and it is gigantic in terms of the square kilometer per capita. And, and with that in mind, um, the transit industry is relatively small. Um, and the investments are um, not really, in the past, has not really been consistently made, gradually grown as it could have been because it's a smaller industry. But when you look at the last couple of years, um, it's very impressive our governments and especially the current government has solidified their commitment to transit and has made these huge investments. Um, and, and, and this government's investment in subways is phenomenal, mm. as well as the investment in GO expansion is phenomenal. Um, and if you look at the number of LRTs out there, Finch West LRT, Herontario LRT, these are transformational projects which are just going to change the region and the cities in, in, in such a big way. And so it's a fantastic time for transit in Ontario and, and, and in Toronto. Interesting. Sorry, go ahead, Garrett. Um, so, Phil, you made, you made mention of China 
um, in terms of their sort of their high speed bullet trains, the ones that are in they go in excess of what 300 kilometers an hour, stuff like that. What are your thoughts on on that type of technology and even stuff like you know Elon Musk's Hyperloop and stuff? Yeah, you shouldn't ask me. You shouldn't ask me questions like that. I'm an engineer. I mean, for heaven's sake, what do you think I'm going to say? I'm I'm exhilarated by by that. I think Elon Musk um, is. I mean, he's off the charts for me in terms of is phenomenal what what he's doing. Um, and and I can tell you, you know, uh, the the Shinkansen in Japan. I've been to Japan a couple of times, and 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 those bullet trains, man, it's pure pleasure. It's the coolest thing out. There's nothing cooler than a train that runs fast. This is the coolest thing in the world. I love it. Um, the the more serious part of the question is uh, how how do you apply it? What's the value proposition for high-speed trains in the country and communities you are in? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I've got a lot of sympathy and empathy for our VIA, cust- uh, uh, VIA partners and VIA running trains between the different cities in Canada. Um, they often run on someone else's track, like one of the freight operators. Um, yeah. Uh, their clientele um, is, 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 very, is very well served by VIA, but you do wonder whether on these vast distances, whether a high-speed train can become an alternative to, um, to, to the main competitor would be airlines and can become a, a viable alternative across the country. I, there was some time ago there was talk of high-speed trains in Ontario, which will never, never, never pay for itself. You need to com- connect large centers of uh, society, large communities. You think in, in the UK, connecting high-speed two is all about connecting London to Birmingham and then to the north, uh, to Manchester. And then there's a branch or a Y that leads off to Leeds. So these have to be large centers of population that you connect. And, and, and unfortunately, in Canada, we don't have as many large centers, and, and they are so far apart that even a high-speed train would struggle to compete with airlines um, because the airplane obviously goes much faster than a high-speed train. So, so it's an interesting time for these types of technologies, and I think we'll see more of this in the years to come. But for now, I think transit's focusing in 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 Canada is going to be about regional and local economic development. Mm-hmm. Can, can you, in transit, when you talk about economic development, it is such a critical factor in everybody's decision making when developers are thinking, okay, I, now I want to buy that parcel of land. Now it makes sense. Um, you know, we've we've had Derek Goring on here to talk about the Unilever project in the past. That was That was actually the first episode. Um, can you talk about how you select sites and how you decide where a transit uh, hub goes or a or an LRT, like what line it's going along? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And Derek is a friend and a colleague and uh, sitting on the opposite side of the table when we negotiated what the Unilever site um, would look like um and and how that would become east harbor and integrate into our network and east harbor 
we are now working closely with uh, Cadillac Fairview, who procured that uh, that project from uh, First Gulf, and fantastic relationships with uh, with developers and really important relationships with developers because come back to the original proposition transit is nothing if it's not an economic enabler and it enables the developments at those locations in a big way so when we decide on where a route an LRT route goes we look at concentrations of, uh, of, of people, concentrations of jobs. Uh, we look at regional and local growth plans. Um, we look at community objectives to connect uh, uh, different parts of the community and to connect people to jobs. And nearly always, um, and, and, and I, Pretty, pretty amazing what in the last two and a half years since I've joined here, one of the things that I find pretty amazing is we've really tightened up on our business case analysis so that we so, so that I can sit and talk to the two of you and say, every dollar invested in Go pays back $2.60. I think you've got to have that level of clarity of, of understanding of what transit delivers in order to be able to say to a minister, um, this is the benefit cost ratio, which in, in the case I've just given you is a benefit cost ratio of 2.6. You know, every dollar gets $2.60. So, so, so having that, you then start to think and say, all right, so how many people do I connect? How many people do we connect along a particular corridor? And what's the economic value and economic payback of people traveling um, 15 minutes shorter journey time from point A to point B. And, and, and what does that do for creating a momentum behind a particular geographic area's economic job creation and, and, and economic contribution? And we do that. And, and then when the, when the business case washes its face, um, you can clearly, a benefit cost ratio of one is break even, isn't it? The benefits equal the cost and it's one. Everything above one is uh, is you're in the money, um, and and therefore, once we understand that, then we go through a discussion with the local community on what this intermediate stops look like and where they should be, and, and we do that conversation. So, everything is business case driven, fact based as best you can, as best you can determine the facts on economic models and and what the future looks like. Okay, I've got I've got one for you then, Phil. Um, where, where is, because we're always looking for scoops here, yeah. where, where are certain areas, maybe in Toronto or Hamilton, where the benefit cost ratio is very high, but there aren't yet plans for transit there? Oh, I, otherwise, you know, I basically I'm asking, where should I be buying uh, right now? <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> all right, so... Okay, so I'll, I'll answer that truthfully because I've, I've indicated this before. The, um, in terms of GO expansion, um, and give you a sense of the impact this has on the community, uh, my, my highest priorities for delivering GO expansion um, and, and increase, therefore, the frequency of GO trains has been the following locations. Kitchener. Um, mm. Kitchener is crucial. Um, 
and 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 I think we should all have long longer term aspirations to extend Kitchener the Kitchener service out to London. Um, second second one that is massively important is Durham. Uh, the Bowmanville extension um, is going to make is going to be absolutely transformational for Durham, and Durham is a fantastic uh, part of the region. Which I, I, I think, I mean, I love the Durham region. Milton on the Milton line, um, we are working closely with colleagues in uh, Canadian Pacific or CP um, to run more services along the Milton line, uh, which would serve Mississauga and the region of Peel and, and fantastically better. Mm. And, and then on the same on the same sort of level of priority, Niagara um, and 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 Hamilton, um, we we completed a piece of work um, as 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 short a time ago as yesterday that provided a third track and signalling um, around Bayview Junction, um, which allows a massive flow of trains into, um, in, in, into that part of the region. And at the right time, we, these things, Damon, are like, these are game changers. I mean, I, since we started running services to Niagara last year, the number of articles we've seen of how house prices have been growing in the Niagara region is phenomenal, directly attributable to the expansion of ghost services. So I think I've given you four or five options there to go buy houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, wow. Yeah, that, I know, I know. Like that was my sister just bought a house um, in Mississauga. I think she's two minutes away from the go station, two minutes walk. So I, I mean, a direct impact there for sure. That was a new development project too. Hey, real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Green Fox Capital. They are a boutique mortgage financing firm that really differentiates themselves by giving the best referral fees on the market. If you're a broker and have a client looking to get a deal financed, these guys at Green Fox Capital will not only get it done, they'll be giving you 50% of the fee as a referral. That means if you're a broker, you could be earning upwards of an additional $100,000 a year on deals that you're already doing anyways. And guess what? They protect your clients. Check them out at greenfoxcapital.com. Drop them a line about any deal you might be working on and see what they can do. Um, can you can you share a little bit, Phil, about your, you guys have a 2041 uh, expansion plan. Can you can you share a little bit of, about the grander vision for that, uh, that strategy? The simplest way, given how we've discussed what transit does to communities already in this conversation. Yeah. The simplest way to crystallize a plan such as 2041 is to say, how many people in the region are close to a bus stop for high frequency bus service or a subway or a streetcar or a heavy rail go station today? Now that answer is about 9%. And in 2041, we want that answer to be around 36%. And so there's no better way to crystallize a vision for the future into one or two simple measures. And when you, when you figure out that transit is all about just connecting communities and connecting people, then you have to ask yourself how accessible is it and how easy can people get it? You're talking about your sister being two minutes from a ghost station is phenomenal 
um, not everyone is. Mm. It's not possible for everyone to be that close to transit. And so our intention, therefore, is in, in the next couple of years to, to expand, um, for example, east-west uh, bus services to a high frequency where there aren't heavy-duty rail or heavy rail solutions such as GO, and where there isn't uh, subway solutions uh, because of the, the scale of the country, right. the scale of the region, um, to have more connectivity so that people can at least make a two-step journey, um, bus first and then connect to either a subway or heavy rail or, or an LRT. And, and, and I think what's crucial therefore, and this is, this is the real conundrum that we are still working on, is when you create that connectivity and infrastructure, you must support that connectivity with an integrated fare system. An integrated fare system has to help people to not have to pay fares twice um, and, and, and to pay and to have a single fare approach. Therefore, when someone travels from my way into into uh, Toronto or from Toronto into York, um, there must be a smooth, easy to understand fare system to use. And I think that's that's a big part of what the 2041 vision looks like. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing like the uh, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but there's there's nothing like the fear you feel when you when you get on a a tra one of the transit you get on a streetcar or something and the credit card thing no longer works and you're late for a meeting and you see the ticket man coming up he's waiting at the hub oh my god it's just <laughs> petrifying so um it are there any like when we talk about uh unilever uh and and big hubs like that like a, a big obstacle is funding even if you can make the business case like is is there any is there any challenge still with getting funding to support these projects and can you talk a little bit about how that works working with i guess our 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 cities our Ontario yeah. and then the federal guys yeah 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 never easy to get funds um funds are prioritized according to what communities want the hospitals need to be built, courthouses need to be built, roads need to be built. And so a focus on understanding what benefits an investment brings, this business case thing, this benefit cost ratio way of thinking, fact-based decision making is crucial because you can say this project is a good one because this is the returns it gets you. So when you have that thought in your in the back of your head and then think about how does transit coexist with developers, developers think the same way. They've got a benefit cost ratio and a business case and, uh, and an investment strategy that gives shareholder value for their shareholders. And so what we do with developers is we work towards creating as much alignment as possible be between the objectives of a developer and the objectives of the railway and the transit system. And where those coincide and can be aligned, a marriage is made, you know, a deal is made, um, and, and, and that's the way it works. Now, clearly, 
we understand what the benefit is of a developer contributing to a transit solution. And when we get that mix of interests right, then we can easily, from that point onwards, take it further to a um, to a funding discussion with government. And 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 we've had phenomenal um, agreements. We 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 are working closely with a cartel group in Innisfil to finalize a, a, a very ambitious station development as well as a community development. We've done the same with Woodbine Entertainment Group over at, at Woodbine. Um, we've done the same at Mimico um, with, with a development partner there. And we're working closely with Cadillac Fairview at, at East Arbor. And, can keep on listing the, yeah. um, the the investments and 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 I got to say we're working very closely with Durham Region on the Bowmanville extension whereby the, we're going to build three stations at least that's going to be built three or four stations even that's going to be built by developers on on that extension and these are these are fantastic developments. Um, and, and a station becomes more than just a point where you get access to transit. Um, it becomes a, a place where you anchor uh, developments around the community because youngsters like the two of you um, are less and less likely um, to say, well, my first, my first buy that I make in my life is my car. Um, we see the younger generation be a, a distinct market segment that is more about um, uh, living and moving around freely and not necessarily automobile bound as uh, as my generation was. So, so catering for that market is extremely important. And, and I think stations and developments at stations, um, sort of a, a work, live, play type of world is is the is is the space we're moving into more and more yeah it's it's super exciting i've got the uh the cogs in my brain spinning about uh mostly about durham region (laughs) (laughs) it's exciting um so uh garrett do you have any any more questions before we move on to the last one yeah i had just one quick question um i was thinking of a new project it's actually new york city i know toronto's not exactly as developed as new york city yet um but the hudson yards project um that's one damon in case you don't may not know um they they developed over top of the rail yards effectively right i know petrolinks owns a majority of the tracks that they operate has there been any interest in terms of like the air rights even like downtown central oh, man. station stuff like that <laughs> oh man oh man air rights this is this is the way of the future i think so yeah. so yeah we have a we have, we have a, a very active um, interaction with at least one developer um but but more likely going to be two or three um, very well-known developers uh, that are planning to overbuild uh, the rail corridor um, in, in, in the Union Station um, in the Union Station vicinity. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, no matter how much I like trains, rail corridors are not really nice on the eye. You know, it's not. It's it's not. It's not gorgeous to look at, except if you are sad like me. I mean, I like, <laughs> but but for the rest of community and society, rail corridor is 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 a very 
industrial, mechanical thing to look at. And so overbuilds over the rail corridor, where there's the rail deck park, as Mayor Tory is so excited about, and, and I, I support him in his excitement for any overbuild over the railway corridor downtown Toronto to create that, take that corridor of space that's lost in effect, overbuild it with decks or with um, development similar to, to, to the Hudson Yards. Mm. Um, we're very interested in that. Um, and, and we're very supportive of that. It's a challenge to integrate um, columns that drops into my right of way. And, and I'm very, very cautious to not, to not reduce the capacity. Because remember, the rail assets in Toronto, we are the custodians of that. And the rail assets are going to outlive us. And so we make decisions now that has a 150 or 200 year impact. So we need to think with a 200 year timeline in terms of what we do with our capacity. And, and, and that's the right frame of mind to be in. So if we sacrifice any space in our corridor for columns that drop down, it better be a good business case. Um, and, and so we're working very closely with developers to make sure we get that right. But, but watch the space. You'll see more of this coming soon. Gotcha. That's very interesting. I think that would be a really unique project. The Hudson's Yard one was phenomenal. and It, it was, wasn't it? It was superb. Oh, yeah. Great design. Love that type of stuff. It's a very innovative thing. It is. All right, Damon. You want to go with the last question? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Phil, this question is called the three truths. So, um, Personal, a bit of a question? Yeah. So it's a little more personal. Oh, it's my. You should have warned me. It wasn't well, I'm on. I'm warning you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good one. Okay. So, so years from now, you live a very long and successful life. You live well into your old age. And um, it's, it's, for whatever reason, it's your last day. And your, your friends and your family and everybody who loves you, they're all around you. And you had this great, amazing life. But for whatever reason, all of the content that you've ever created, all, all the books that you've written, all the speeches that you've given, they've all been erased. And you only have three short notes to pass on to your friends and family and the people who love you. What do you put on those notes? Oh, my. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I warned you. you. You two are devils, aren't you? Just jump this one on me. All right, I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you what I'll take is the three, uh, the three most important things. Um, and, and, you know, often I, I do a lot of mentoring of, of, of young engineers and, and, and young graduates that come into our organization. And I'll, I'll share with you, these are heartfelt issues for me. Be authentic. You know, be authentic. Be yourself. All of us have, have that degree, healthy balance of self-doubt and self-optimism, but just live with both of that and don't be untrue to you. Just be authentic. Just be, be authentic. Um, second one is be generous. Um, you know, w when you start out in your life, you try and, uh, you try and achieve stuff. You try and accumulate stuff, perhaps. You try and go up the slippery pole, perhaps. You try and get to the top. 
be generous, you know, in that journey, um, help others and in your, in your life journey, be generous. And I find that when you're generous and you help others to succeed, it's much more satisfying. Um, and the last one, what, what would I say? The last one would probably be about how much I love my wife, uh, <laughs> which would not, not, not be much help for anyone else. But my wife has been a life partner forever. And maybe it'll be along the lines of, you know, the family and life partners are crucial um, to, for all of us. So, so make sure you do right by them. So those would be my three ideas. Very well said. Be authentic, be generous, and family and 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 uh, and your wife is critical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so thank you. You've been very generous with your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know everybody's going to learn a lot from this. And thanks for having me. And it was so nice to meet the two of you. And, and, and best of luck with your podcast and for doing this. It's, it's, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoyed your company. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Take care. Hi, guys. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If it brought you any value, please remember to show us a like, a subscribe, uh, whatever channel you're on. We want to make sure that you're seeing our content and it really helps the channel grow. So we do appreciate it. One thing I wanted to mention, if you have anybody that you really want to hear from, please let us know. Let us know in the comments or via email, um, emailing myself or Garrett. We've had, I think, three guests now where people have commented in and said, hey, can you get this person on? And we went out and got them. And, and that's really what we want. We want it to be more valuable for you, the listener. So, uh, yeah, let us know in the comments and have a great day.